Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where it's all about, you guessed it, grant writing and funding made easy so you can increase capacity, grow funding, and advance your nonprofit or freelance mission. Now, let's hand it over to your host, grants expert and author Holly Rustic, so you can increase your funding and drive impact. Hello, hello, hello. It's Holly Rustic here with Grant Writing and Funding. And welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast Show. All right, guys. So we have a special guest on the show today. And as today is Giving Tuesday. La, 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 la. A perfect, perfect time. So Christina Edwards is on the show. And she is the founder of Splendid Consulting, which is um, for marketing, right? But she works with businesses and nonprofits marketing. So we're really going to be talking a lot about uh, social media today, engagement specifically on Instagram. So if you've been thinking about how do you get your nonprofit to get more donors on Instagram, she is going to lay out some specific ways on how to do that, as well as uh, social media scheduling and some other things as well. So definitely listen to this if you want to grab some golden nuggets on how to market um, in a very smooth way. She's going to talk about pillar content. She's really going to talk a lot about how to repurpose your content and how to make this as much of a low-hanging fruit as possible, whereas you're not just spending 80% of your social time on social media, where maybe only 20% of your donors are coming from there, right? So really, if you want to spend time on social media, let's only spend 20% there, but let's get 80% of your donors there, right? So let's flip the script. So she's definitely going to be talking about that today. So once again, Christina is the founder of Splendid Consulting, and she is a marketing expert and coach who helps ambitious social impact businesses and nonprofits increase revenue, supporters, and engagement. She's ever passionate about equipping organizations to step into their expertise, be bold, and find their unique voice and audience online. So she is fantastic. You guys are going to love what she does. Definitely go over to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 197 for all of the links for today's show. All right, without further ado, here's Christina. Hi, Christina. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk all things marketing and nonprofits. Yes, love it. I love that you really pulled in your marketing background and been like, hey, I'm also going to, you know, help nonprofits because I saw a huge need here. So, and we know, like, I know with working with nonprofits, it's like another thing they feel like they have to do on top of the many things that they feel like they have to do and maybe not have enough staff to really get it all done. So I'm really excited that you're going to bring in some tips that they can actually implement straight away. So yay. Yes. It's like, get it off your to-do list, right? Marketing tends to be at the bottom. So let's get it off the to-do list and get it done today. Yes. And I can't tell you how many people too, they're like, but nobody cares about my nonprofit. I just don't see like, we're, you know, people aren't responding. Maybe I put out a, you know, something on Instagram or I threw a $10 ad on Facebook and I just didn't see anyone coming over. Is it because they don't care about it? And I say, no, it's not because they don't care about what you're doing, but you know, it's maybe because they don't see what you're doing. Right. So exactly, exactly. Sometimes I use the metaphor that it's like you're in a stadium and all the seats are empty. Right. And so you just feel like you're just speaking to no one, there's the potential of seats and people sitting in seats, but yeah, it's, it's crickets out there. So I know that every single person has probably had that feeling before putting out content and feeling like no one cares or no one's seeing you, but there's for sure a way around it. And there's a better way. 
Oh, I love that. I love that. So I got my pen out. I got my paper. I'm going to be taking notes today too. I'm excited about this subject. So yay. So we're going to be talking about, um, once again, marketing for nonprofits. We're going to have some gold nuggets for you guys to walk away from today, especially some trends in marketing, um, how to get actually donors from your Instagram account and how to get people from your social media to your website and how you can actually nurture and grow relationships. So before we get into that, though, I want you to be able to talk about a little bit about your company, Splendid Consulting, and what you do and why you started it. So I know you mentioned a little bit, but let's let's go a little deeper. So I have been a lifelong entrepreneur. So this has just been always my path. And in 2011, I started a marketing and PR agency. And that's really where I kind of honed my skills and realized that Number one, I loved working with mission-driven organizations. And two, why weren't they doing any of the things that all my for-profit clients were doing and paying us to do? And, you know, was growing their, their companies wildly, making them tons and tons of money. And then meanwhile, I had these organizations that were powerhouses by their own right, but really didn't have the tools, didn't have the infrastructure, didn't have the team to like do what was happening over here. And so that's where I felt that disconnect, but I also felt that like real kind of drive to do what I'm doing now. So I launched launched my consultancy, Splendid Consulting, where I work one-on-one with my private clients, my nonprofits, really helping them strategically grow their following and do everything in the umbrella of like digital and online marketing. So yes, lots of fundraising. Um, And then I teach courses. So I have really, really loved in the past two years, particularly, I found myself the other day saying like one good thing that came out of the pandemic, which is just a weird sentence to say, (laughs) but one good thing that came out of the pandemic was that it transformed my business in the sense that I get to work with organizations now all across the world. I regularly have um, a supporter who shows up to so many of my workshops from Uganda. I have organizations from Haiti, Canada, across, have a lot of West Coast folks and my East Coast time zone is still not caught up. So that is what I do. I have um, several courses on Canva. I have courses on online marketing and that's what I do. I love that. And I loved like looking at the silver linings too, right? Like it's just how do you know a lot of people now that they're actually online? And I think this is also a good kind of segue to talk about yes. nonprofits being online because in the past it was like, Yes, of course, social media is important, but they're going to more networking events. They might be meeting you, more yeah. their, you know, supporters at live events. And now they're not doing that. You could get away with having your signature to events, right? You could get away with that. Those being number one, how you made money, how you fundraised, and also how people really knew about your organization, you know, were those big gallows. Like I fondly remember some of my favorite ones and I haven't been to them in two years, but there really were two types of nonprofits that, that I saw in with the shutdown, which was one that had no structure, no community in place online. And we're scrambling for the next year plus trying to create that. And then the others that already had you know, an email list, not only an email list, but they would regularly communicate with their email list. So their audience knew they could get information there. They had social networks that were rocking and rolling. And so the shutdown was, of course, like not anyone's first choice, but there was at least a pathway to, you know, continuing. Right. And so, and now we see, you know, where I am, it's like, we've opened back up and then there's, you know, we have peaks and valleys, but what I'm seeing is that 
everyone's audience still expects to be communicated with online. So like that's not going away anymore. So how do we do that effectively? How do we do it in a way that feels like high impact, but doesn't feel like you're paying a marketing agency, you know, hundred thousand dollars a year to make it happen. Right. No. And that's important. It's like, it is, you know, and I saw that too. I saw so many businesses or nonprofits and businesses in the beginning, just yeah. where they were. Like um, I was teaching at a university as well during that time. And I remember just because my business was already online, I had already, you know, without the, I mean, the pandemic just exponentialized everything. That's even worse. Yep. <laughs> this made everything like what I saw it was already going that way, but I like did it 50 years faster. Um, but it was interesting to then go in and teach um, professors to say, this is how you use Zoom. <laughs> this is how you, you know what I mean? Yeah. This is how you do X and Y online and use Canva and you know all the sources out yes. user friendly. And then to be like, oh, okay, this is this is great. And to see the people who are already doing that, maybe the who are a little more advanced. And like you said, with nonprofits, a lot of them too, they might've had a Facebook page, but they hadn't posted in two years. You know what I mean? Yes. Those kind of things. And is it relevant any longer? They have pictures from galas like five years ago or whatnot. Yes. So it was like yeah. really a, a rush, but at the same time, how to do that and the technical kind of you know, overwhelm and that curve, that learning curve level. So, um, yay. So now we're going to bring that learning yes. curve level down with what you're going to be talking about today, because, um, you know, looking at, and I, I know you also really focus on Instagram, so I don't yeah. know if I'm looking ahead too far, but I just, I wanted to kind of touch on that to say why Instagram, you know what I mean? For I think we've seen a couple of different things. First of all, back in 2011, when I started my marketing agency, all of our for-profit clients we're on Instagram. Like we didn't have to say, you should, th- you should consider this as a social channel for you. Mm-hmm. And zero of my nonprofits were on Instagram. And they were like, I don't know, maybe. And that really is the metaphor for what I saw as, as the problem is you're five to 10 years behind and you don't have to be like, don't yeah. wait, do it now. And so now I would say all of my organizations are on Instagram. And now the, the question is, you know, how do I get more engagement? How do I get people to take action? But I, I really hone in on that platform for a few different reasons. One, we see a younger audience base there. So we have the data to support it. We know that we're going to see Gen Z, we're going to see millennials, we're going to see Gen X over there. And those are all really important to organizations, particularly those who are reliant on that baby boomer donor base mm-hmm. who are on Facebook and need to keep and need to keep doing the direct mail and need to keep doing all the other things but they also need to steward a younger audience. So it's really important for that reason. And the other component is, you know, we all kind of look at, you know, the ice bucket challenge, right? As like the pillar moment of viral fundraiser, Mm -hmm. but it does show us the power of like a social movement, especially one on Instagram, that all you have to do is click that share button. And particularly for a younger audience, like we want that snowball effect. We want that ripple effect. What I always tell my students is you don't have to go viral to like quadruple your fundraising campaign. And that's the best part is you don't need Kim Kardashian. You don't need a giant rock star celebrity. Great if you've got one, but you actually just need peer to peer happen through social media, particularly on Instagram. It's ripe for that. And it works really, really well. And that younger generation is really responding to it. So I love it for all those reasons. Oh, I love that. I, you know, and I, I use Instagram. I, I've been on there for a while and I remember before Facebook had owned Instagram and it was the hashtags seemed so much more 
impactful. <laughs> I gotta say, yeah. I feel like it's kind of dropped off a little bit. Cause I remember before hashtags were just like, wow, you could really get followers quickly with hashtags. Yes. So I'm just kind of wondering, like, do you know what's, and I know this might be off topic, but on a yeah. first level, <laughs> what happened? Yeah. I mean, I feel like Instagram's constantly changing the game on like the algorithm and what matters and what you put out there. And yes, they've kind of shifted where they, you should still do hashtags. You should still include them. I think the, the latest max they've said is 20 and it was really funny. They used to say it didn't matter if you included it in the comment or if you included it in the real, in the regular post. Now they're, they've actually said, um, through Instagram, they've come out and said, put it in the regular post. You'll, it's more searchable that way. Okay. So Instagram are, so hashtags matter, but for sure it has changed so much from, you know, five years ago, what I liked on my quilt were like these beautiful kind of artsy photos. That's not really what is engaging people now. Right. So even the types of content we're seeing a huge shift to graphics. So swipeable carousels with text, you know, that we're constantly using Canva for. So that's like your best friend GIFs, which are another thing that I feel like nonprofits aren't using at all. And they should, that are fun ways to connect with your audience. Lots of video. They're really, really prioritizing video. So whether it's reels or IG TV or IG lives or stories, they're like, hi, please, please start using video user, please. So that would be my one big tip. If there's anything you do from today on Instagram that you haven't been doing is video, like start doing video and you will see your audience grow, particularly if you start inviting people inside your community to, you know, participate on video with you, you know, your champions, your volunteers, your board. It's a great way to kind of get outside your bubble. Remember that analogy about like this empty seats, right? So like get some people in your seats. Yeah. So that's it. So you, I know you can invite people into your live videos yep. on Instagram. Yep. And I know you can also make your videos a reel instead of you want it to go longer. Right. So like, is there yep. any difference between those two on what we're so <laughs> what I like to do is I like to suggest people to do some sort of cadence of an Instagram live, whether it's once a week or twice a month or once a month, if you're like, Christina, I can't do it that much, but just imagine doing an Instagram live, a certain cadence, and you're bringing on a special guest. You can actually do a room now. So you could bring on up to three people. And that matters because imagine all of those followers all getting alerts, you know, Holly's live right now, Christina's live right now, Joe's live right now. So you're just bringing in everyone's audience together to talk about a topic. It could be about a fundraiser. It could be about a program launch. There's so many different things. The thing I like about live though, is you can share it to your feed. So it lives on. So it's not just who showed up live, but it ends up becoming what I call like pillar content where, you know, it is a video static on your feed and then you can use that again and again. So okay. I love it for that. Reels are the opposite. So reels are like short little bite-sized pieces. Yeah. Those are amazing too. And absolutely. Those are like, I would say like the first reel you ever do is going to feel kind of painful because you're, it's just a different muscle where you're like, how is this working? Um, I find TikTok to be a little more intuitive, but after you get the first one out of the way, it ends up being pretty, pretty easy. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I saw when I, I was like, I'll just make this as a reel. And then I was like, oh, I'm getting all these different likes of people who I've never had in my world before. Yes. You know, so yes. interesting. Like you said, those seats were filling up with people who. Yes. 
And you're like, how did they find me? And it's because somebody shared that reel like to their audience. And that is what we're looking for. That is exactly, that is much more valuable than a cold ad when you have, you know, me sharing it to my friends, to my audience and so on and so on. It's like that third party validation is so, so important for organizations to expand. Oh, I love this. I love this. And then you, you did bring up another platform, which is TikTok. So I just kind of yeah. wanted to uh, talk about that a little bit because TikTok is so big right now. And we're saying Instagram's still really good though. So can you kind of yes. talk about why? Because some people are like, oh my gosh, not another social platform. Yeah. So most people would probably be like, no. And just, so I tend to not, <laughs> I tend to not suggest it right out of the gate, but I will say you can create reels, you can export them and then you can put them on a TikTok. So you can actually reuse them in that way. So it's not double work. Mm-hmm. But my advice is that you master at least Facebook and Instagram and master it in the, in the way that you're doing it regularly and that it's not stagnant, that it's growing, right? And that we're seeing, we haven't really talked about social action, but that we're seeing that people not only consume the content, but that they're taking action. So action can be volunteer, it can be sign up, it can be learn more, it could be commenting, it could be sending you a direct message, and of course, making a donation, like the big action, right? So we want to make sure that those things are happening before you go onto Clubhouse or before you go and start a TikTok. And it's just because what I'll see happen is you kind of get that like butterfly syndrome where you're like, maybe this, maybe this. And then you end up doing a lot of things not well, right? And then you end up kind of ditching the things along the way. So TikTok is a great place. I've definitely heard some success stories, but I would focus on, um, those few platform platforms first. Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that completely. Um, and I think like what, so now we kind of talked about like what you should be doing. So we kind of talked about how to get people's attention and, yep. you know, but also how do people have time? Like, how would you say, like, if you're a one man, one woman show yep. and you are also the executive director or you're also doing this, like, how can you, what is the main, what would be your say do this at least? So a couple of things. The first thing that comes to mind is we all probably know about Canva. We've heard about it. You have a Canva account, hopefully. Um, but I if find not, that are, if not, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be putting the Canva link in the show. Yes. <laughs> It's free for nonprofits to get a pro account. I'm one of those people who shouts from the rooftops. Like I happily pay for my pro account because I'm not a nonprofit. It's one of my favorite bills to pay because it's such an essential part of my own business and my, my work for my clients, but it is how you get time back into your schedule. So it, particularly if you're a marketer, particularly if you are making a donation landing page for an online campaign, a peer to peer campaign, it's how you get really great graphics, right? In a pinch. Like I'm constantly creating graphics right before I go live. I forget that I needed a cover for it. I create it in 30 seconds because I have a template. I'm not scrolling through pizza templates and restaurant templates and spa templates. I've already got the templates there and ready to go. And that's something I sell inside some of my courses that these are these template packs for that same reason, because you can just customize them to your brand colors and fonts. Yeah. And there's and, and then it's very easy and you're not taking like a pizza graphic and trying to make it fit into a nonprofit fundraiser. So that's the first thing is that Canva is how you do it in a way where you're like, listen, I wasn't supposed to be marketing for my nonprofit. This is like the 10th item on my to-do list. So I would say start doing a couple of graphics because you can recreate those posts again and again. The other thing is the, the concept of like pillar content. So instead of thinking of things in silos, so, um, you know, 
Facebook posts, Instagram posts, email. So your e-blast, right? Even um, if you have like a printed newsletter, things like that, appeals letters, those stories you're telling in there are pillar pieces of content. They're in, they're just in different channels, right? So what I find a lot of times is people will spend a lot of time writing a kick-ass year-end appeal letter and not use that story anywhere else, or spend a lot of time writing or creating a video for Instagram that was awesome. And then they post the video once, which is not how we want to do it, right? We want to get a lot of longevity and there's a lot of ways you can do it that is slightly not tricking your audience, but it's like, you're taking that video and we're pulling out some quotes from it, or you're taking that video and we're using it in a different way. And again, maybe we're adapting it to fit into an email newsletter or something like that. When you look at it through that lens is you're actually batching your content ahead of time. Right. And you're not just like piecemealing it because when you piecemeal it, that's when you're like, lose so much time in your schedule. I love that too. I love it. Like pulling a story. So if you had one of your, say, if you served, um, your nonprofit who serves us stray animals, right. And you're doing yep. things and you're saying, okay, let's tell a story about this cat that we got off the street yep. and had, you know, mange and now it's like healthy, yep. and, right. And you could take like pictures so, to do a little video, right. And do a newsletter. I teach this inside my course, Amplify Social Impact, because no one has a library of impact stories. And that's exactly what you need. So that when you sit down and you're like, oh, we have a huge fundraiser next month. I need to raise, you know, 50K online. I don't want you then to email the owner of the animal that got adopted and go, how's it going? Can you send me some photos? What did you, you know, what's going on with your cat? I want you to have a library banked of photos and stories so that you can literally pull them off the digital shelf and then use them inside your campaign. And that's really, again, like those time-saving moments so that you're not trying to track down like your programs manager or volunteers from something that happened six months ago saying, Hey, can you send me a photo, please? Like that is again, where we see a lot of that overwhelm come in. And then by the end, you're like, I can't do this online thing. This is too hard. I love that. And then you just to kind of think of yourself as a documenter throughout the whole, yep. like doc, kind of doc, yep. taking pictures, maybe putting in a Google drive. So everyone has exactly to, right. Just simple that you can pull simple from, digging through files. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yeah. So, Automate. Great. So, okay. So get Canva, which is great. We're going to have a, a, a link to that in the show notes. So you guys can check that out. And I love that it's free for nonprofits for the pro level. I also use their pro level for my own business and I'm happy, I'm yes. happy to pay for it as well. Cause it's so yeah. amazing. Um, and then we'll also get the pillar content, create, you know, place to store it, just be having that hat on. Cause that will save you time. Right. And it'll yes. give you tons of content. So those the- are the- I will just share, I just recorded these videos, these testimonial videos from a couple of program directors. And really these videos are going to be used for major gifts for a particular organization. But I'm like, these videos are so good. We're using them for like a bunch of different things, right? We're going to pull these videos out. I'm going to pull out some of those juicy quotes. And now through those videos, I got a really great narrative to share in an email blast. So it's like, don't do something siloed off. And really that's when, if you wear a lot of hats, which I see development and funder and um, marketer sometimes be one role, use that to your advantage because there are those impact stories, right? Share them on both, both uh, avenues. 
Yes. And you can pull those into grants too. So yes, all of those into your, there it is. You know, yeah. And your website, all of the things, right. Letters yes. of support, sponsorship level letters, press releases, all of those things. You can repurpose these, this pillar content, which is fantastic. Yes. So yes, good, good stuff. Okay. So as they, now they know, okay, I can do this. Do you have like post this often or does that change too much? Is it just kind of like, <laughs> no, I would say I call it keeping the lights on. So my minimum to keep the lights on is three days a week. So okay. three days a week. And the way that I suggest that, if that is just sounds stressful, pick one day a week that is always the same thing. So, um, like a wellness Wednesday, let's say you're a food insecure, you know, or like pick something that will really, really help you design content around that. So it feels less hard, right? So three days a week really is what I would suggest to keep the lights on so that when you have a big announcement, when you're doing an online giving day, something like that, your audience is primed, right? We want to make sure that they're ready. They've already, they haven't forgotten about you. I've given to organizations that I haven't, they haven't followed up and connected with me in the sense of just reminding me like what it is they do. And then I'm like, what are, what are they called? What, what was it? What, 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 you know, you want to keep me just top. I want to keep top of mind. Right. So three days a week and then kind of sky's the limit when you're in the middle of a fundraiser, but you know, you can ramp up to five days a week or seven days a week. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. That's, that's, yeah. And I like that, that kind of keep it, you can keep it consistent. You can batch your content. So maybe you have Wednesdays is the focus on an animal, right? Yes. So yes, always a day you showcase a different animal. So you could actually take all those pictures. You could schedule out a whole quarter in advance, like, or a whole month. Absolutely. Right. So those would be ways. And then maybe Monday's a bit something else. What are we working on? And, you know, Fridays is a story we can tell about something else or another partner organization that we want to focus on or whatnot. Exactly. Yeah. So just keep it kind of consistent. And the other thing too, is I know people, um, my mentor, it was great what she had told me before about social media. She said, and this is kind of what I kind of profess as well is social media. Isn't necessarily people wanting to go there to buy it's social media. So we got to keep the social in, you know, part of it in there where yeah. she said, you know, 80% is social, like have fun, be you, be authentic. Um, and then if you want to pitch something, that's your 20%. That's when you're, you know, but like you said, like keeping top of mind, like it doesn't mean you have to be like, donate, donate, donate every yes. time put a post up, right? It shouldn't feel like you're talking at people. You should be talking with people with your community. You want to invite them into your world, into your ecosystem. And that's the most successful, you know, accounts. You know, we talk about a lot of times we'll see the, you know, charity water and these, these, you know, sort of um, organizations we put on a pedestal, like this is how, but it's like, why are so many people drawn to run fundraisers for them? Why are so many people drawn because they feel seen, they feel heard, they feel part of a community. And for sure, a smaller nonprofit is very capable of doing that because they're already a smaller community, right? Mm-hmm. So yes, when somebody comments, you comment back, you're, un, you know, you're unafraid to, you know, send them a message if you've been inter- interacting and things like that. Yes. And it kind of bolstering those moments of, you know, getting people to comment and getting people to engage with you for sure. I love that. And then, so like, um, how then do we get those followers, those people then that showed up in that stadium to take the action, to become a yes. volunteer, to donate, to go to the next level? Yeah. So 
for one, you've got to kind of prime them. So we kind of talked about that where it's, they're starting to understand who you are, what they do, right? What you do. And that's really them trying to go through, going through your funnel from not knowing about your organization to figuring out, number one, I like it. I'm going to stay here. I'm interested in learning more. You can do this through educating. So you're describing very simply what the problem is you solve, but you're doing it in a very, you know, um, in a way that's impactful and in a way that is connecting and doesn't feel like any organization out there could say the same thing. So for example, there are a lot of organizations that serve homeless communities, right? So like what makes you different and like stepping into your expertise and saying, this is our flavor. This is how we do it different is going to attract so many more people then I want to read a post from your organization and go, that is them. That's who said that. That is from their organization. That is from their puppy rescue and could not come from another puppy rescue, right? Because maybe it's cheeky. Maybe it's buttoned up. Maybe it's the type of images you share or the stories you tell are, are deeper or, you know, ha have your flavor, your personality. That's what we want to see, um, you know, and that is the beginning of, people really developing that trusting relationship with you so that you, when you say, guys, we need your help, this is happening, take action here, they are much more likely to do it. And it starts there, right? And we want to get people to take action so that we can take them off Instagram, which really is the goal. We can capture their email address so we can further nurture that relationship, right? So that you can get them on your newsletter. And that's really where you can start to really steward them mm -hmm. as a, you know, supporter, donor, lifelong um, person inside your community. I love that. Yeah. And you, you don't have to just say, just donate. You can say other things as far as like join our, you, you love our content here, join our newsletter so you can get it directly to your inbox. Right. Cause, yes. and people will be like, oh, that's cool. I love, you know, maybe you're putting um you're superimposing different hat on all your animals or whatever you do to make it unique. Right. And you're saying, Hey, this is like, you know, you could have more of this. You could see what we're really doing, have more of the stories yes. and then people could get there. And then that's where you have all your donating donation kind of base as well. Right. Then you, when once you have their email, you're developing that relationship. You can let them know when your things are coming up there. You're not just relying on your Instagram page for them. Maybe to scroll across it, getting inside their inbox is way more impactful, right? Yes, absolutely. Especially because we know we talked about the algorithm earlier. So we don't know what other changes are going to be on the horizon. So if we can have another way to get in touch with the supporter, that is gold, right? That is so, so valuable. And if we can, they're not always gonna see every single Instagram post. So if we can send out an email instead and invite them to something happening or to take some sort of action, we wanna do that for sure. Right, so really the social media is a leveraging platform. It's a way to people get people into your house, which is your, your website um, and then the email list, but it's also so, a way to promote like, <laughs> ripple effect. Yes. I'm going to give a caveat, which is there is a certain group of young people that are, are not interested in getting an email and that's totally yeah. cool. Mm -hmm. So if they're want to stay on the platform, that's fine. And I don't want to, I don't want us to sound like, oh, well, we have to get every single person's email address. So just to know, we want them to take action. So that might be using the donate sticker on Instagram. I really think that's important, but I also have seen a lot of, there's a lot of players now in the sort of peer-to-peer -peer fundraising space. There's a lot of really good opportunities for you to create landing pages for your fundraisers where people can use their digital wallet. 
They don't have to whip out their credit card. There's even okay. some that you can use Venmo. So again, you can kind of get around them where maybe we're not exactly getting their email address or we're not moving them over here, but they're supporting your cause. So yes. that's the number one. Okay. That's, that's a great add on. Cause yeah, if you don't have to have them there, it's easier yeah. sometimes. So let's talk about the donate button a little bit. So, so, on yeah. so should every nonprofit have it? Is it easy to use, et cetera? So this is a little controversial, believe it or not, <laughs> because some organizations, so Facebook, same. So we've got the, the Facebook donate button and then on Instagram would be a little sticker. Some organizations are really adverse to it because you really don't get the juicy data, right? So if I click the donate sticker and make a gift, the pro is I do it all natively through the app. And that is going to appeal to a lot of young people. If you ask them to go leave the app and go somewhere and enter in their credit card information, their address, you lost them. That's the difference between a $50 gift and nothing. So that is why I love it. Right. But some organizations say, but you don't get their information. So you don't necessarily get their email address. It's very hard. It can be challenging to like actually say thank you. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the pushback that I hear. What I really kind of, it's like, and I raise you, would you rather have had that gift or no gift? Yeah. So there is that. I've also had a lot of nonprofits have success with using messenger to message people afterwards, because it will let you sometimes see the profile and you can actually make a personal touch that way. And it can go pretty quick. Oh, you could even nice. like maybe sub that out to your board or something like that. So I like to say you can kind of work around it a little bit. And to me, it's the difference between not, it's like having none or having some. And ultimately too, you're dipping your toe into what we want to see with that kind of viral ripple effect. So again, if I'm donating natively inside the Instagram app, I'm probably pretty likely to go ahead and share that to my stories because something resonated with me right out of gate about your organization. And I'm going to tell my friends about it. So it's like, let's keep that going. If I tell my friends about it again, they're going to have that, that nudge to move forward and go, well, I'm going to donate to Christina knows what's up. Like, let me, let me support whatever it is she's talking about. And I have watched my own self have these moments where I'm like, I didn't know about this organization. This looks really cool. You know, you're sitting on the couch or something. I'm not getting up to get my wallet. Let me use that donate sticker. So there you go. Yeah. I've become so lazy about information it's all there I yes. know and, and that's the thing it's like we have to make it easy that is the reality is if there are so many steps so for example if you're using like a link tree and you're in the middle of a really important fundraiser stop it make one click so wherever it is that your your hub is for me to donate make it one click because you don't want me clicking all over the internet and before you know it my kid came in I got distracted. You lost me. Right. So it's like, we want as few obstacles as possible. Mm -hmm. And that really is the difference from somebody having like a meh fundraiser and completely exceeding their goal. Oh, I love that. I love that too. It's like, you know, the word of mouth and, and coming from the nonprofit who maybe, you know, Christina's never heard of before, right? Yeah. Never heard of this pet organization, but all of a sudden Holly shares it with you on on Instagram. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, it's, it's that, that now you have credibility behind the nonprofit. Social proof. Yep. Yeah. So it's, it's so much more impactful for the person to give, which is fantastic. Absolutely. Way more impactful than Holly saying it versus me seeing a Facebook ad of that same organization. Now I love ads. Ads are awesome, Mm -hmm. but when I have that direct person saying this organization is amazing, then I'm listening, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've supported nonprofits. I don't even really know much about, but it's because that's what I'm saying. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Cause your friend and your friends hyped up about it. you yeah. you love your friend. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, sure. It feels good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that's amazing. So I also wanted to talk about just a little bit then on once you have, so if you have that person's email address, they've given, or you've been able to see it on Instagram because they've given. <laughs> yep. That's great. Everyone gets excited. Everyone gets excited when the money comes in. However, where we both discussed in the green room before the started this podcast uh, recording was they lose a lot of nonprofits don't do the follow-up. They don't do the, and it's easier to get another $50, $100, $3,000 from someone who's already given than to find another person to give a $50, right? So repeat donate. Yes. Like you just said it. And I'm like, hope everybody hears it. Like it is so much easier to get me to give a second time than it is to get another me. Right. And yet we see a lot of churn because people will come into your world to make a one-time gift. And I, I find, I don't really love the sense of like, they don't feel thanked. I don't really think that's quite it as much as it is. You weren't top of mind anymore. Right. So you weren't top of mind because that for me is what hits is like, I'm, I'm good. You guys were busy. You guys do a lot. You don't necessarily have to like send me a boatload of thank you, thank you letters, but you got to keep kind of giving me a, like a little bit of a ping of here's what's going on. And so that's when the nurture sequence comes mm-hmm. in for me. So a nurture sequence is something that you automate. It's something that you do one time so that anytime anyone makes a gift, especially a new person, right? they are brought into your world and they have, you know, a specific cadence of emails that you send out to them. You maybe ask them again at the last email to make another gift or become part of your monthly giving program. But again, it's that automated stewardship, which is what we talked about in the beginning of like, how do you get your time back? You're already doing the job of multiple people. But even though this exists, a lot of my organizations, a lot of people come to me, a lot of my students, and they don't have this in place. So what they do have in place is that they are doing direct mail. Thank you letters, you know, between, I don't know, seven days and 30 days from the gift. I mean, whatever, we're doing the best they can, right? But there's nothing else happening digitally. And that is really huge. You set that up one time. That's it. And I love that. And that can be then... If you're doing it digitally, like I totally think, you know, snail mail can be very powerful, but there's also a cost to it, right? So to also have an automated email sequence built up, yes. that's free, you know, or yes. if you pay for your email provider, but you know what I mean? It's not like again and again, it's not like you're paying for paper and stamps and all of that. However, you can do that in combination, but you don't have to do the heart, the snail mail as often then if you have also yes. email and people, um, I was seeing some research that next after Institute did on this. And they said that how people give to you is how they also like to keep in communication with you. Mm. So if mm-hmm. people are giving to you through Instagram, they are going to want to see those three posts a week. They are going to want to see yeah. more of like, um, so, kind of- and this is something I kind of teach inside my course was a little peek of it. So for example, if they're giving you, giving you a gift on Instagram, they're remaining on the app. I like to, if you can thank them on the app. Like thank them in your stories. So give Christina, just, you don't have my picture. That's cool. Give Christina a shout out, give Polly a shout out in stories, welcome them into your new monthly giving program. 
And also you get a little bit more of that, that FOMO and that social proof when you do that, where you're like, wait, all these people are joining the monthly giving program. I need to know what's going on. So yes, meet people where they are. If they're on Instagram, if they're on Facebook, you can definitely find some ways to thank them there. And yeah, I think that's a really good kind of a pro tip you just shared, which is how people give is probably how they like to be communicated with. So like, for example, I'm not a snail mail person and yeah, I don't tend to write checks, but yes, email me all day long. That's perfect. Yeah. But if you have a corporate or philanthropist give you like a thousand dollar check or a hundred dollar check, then they probably want to be communicated through mail. Snail mail. I agree. <laughs> so yep. They might yep. Have, yep. You know, and a little bit of combination. So that's kind yes. of, what, um, I thought that was really interesting. So yeah, but I love this whole journey that you've given today and all of these tips to be like, okay, Instagram could be a place where a lot of nonprofits, Instagram and Facebook, um, yeah. you know, can really exist and have fun. I think part of it too is, when I start to feel burned out about my marketing or kind of like, ah, it's a job, it's a J-O-B, then I know I need to do something fun and out of the box there that makes sense. Yes. Like, you know, I don't know, like do the thing, <laughs> do the little dance video. I think to nonprofits generally are dealing with serious issues. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing is, but you don't have to be so serious. Like we yeah. do, especially on social media, we want to be collectively like uplifted, inspired. We also want to be part of helping. Like yeah. we want to be part of the change. And so you can do that in a way that isn't so heavy. Like even if you're dealing with a heavy cause. Um, and I've seen organizations deal with loss, deal with loss of children, deal with some really serious topics in a way that I'm still like, this does, this is uplifting. And I am like, how can I help this organization grow? Because I'm so inspired by them. That is what you want to do. And you can do that through like having some fun with your content. Like, yes, you can dance in a reel. You can share just online. You can have some fun. I love that. I think that's so good. And that, yeah, cause it is a, a lot of the older marketing material that we see, especially online or on TV. And you remember like the Sarah McLaughlin commercials for the, oh, yeah. there's a time and a place for that I get it but I'm crying every time I watch those videos and I really and on social media and stuff it is it can be heavy we don't want it to be so heavy I want to feel like I am a part of a solution and that if I donate to this it's not a lost cause and everything's going to fall apart I want to know that there is an end solution right and that is inspiring then so I think that's absolutely no to be like have fun um, of course it doesn't all have to be just kicks and giggles. You can really do yes. this as well, but you can do it in a way where you feel like there's a solution behind it. Right. Like a, mm-hmm. a brighter outcome. So that's really great. So any other tips that you want to give before we close out today? I know we talked about a lot today. Yes. So automate as much as you can. We talked about that. So whether that's an automated email sequence, whether you are templatizing your mm-hmm. world on Canva so that you're not you know, doing the same task over and over again. We didn't really talk about scheduling apps, but there's a bajillion out there to schedule your social content. Facebook, I'm pretty sure lets you schedule it natively through there now. I kind of default to later. Um, That's a free one. So I tend to recommend later.com. If you're looking for an app to schedule your social posts, that's a good place to start. But ultimately, I don't want you to sit down at your desk Monday morning and be like, what was, I got to post something like you should never, there should be a plan on Monday morning. When you sit down, it should already have been scheduled for the week. 
so that yeah. you're thinking forward. Okay. What do I have going on? I've batched it out. I've got a library of stuff and it doesn't feel so heavy and serious. And like, it's going to take 10 hours to do. I love that. And I love just like, you know, have it go, like do different things, share it with friends. Don't yep. be afraid to share things. Right. So get out there um, on Instagram, share it with different people, invite people in, um, you know, and, and really, you know, honor that <laughs> too, that people want to be a part of what you do. Like, yes. you know, like just oh, engage. Yes. I mean, you said it, it's a social network. So yeah. be social with people, invite them into your world. And every single organization has those. I call them champions. Those people, they know no matter what they can show up and count on, whether it's in person or online, they're the first person to like or comment. Those are the people you start with first to like yes. really start to partner with. I love that. I love that. All right. So you have a lot more we're going to talk about in future episodes. So I really want to talk yes. about also ambassadors on social media. Um, so we're definitely going to be speaking more on that later. But for now, where can people find you? So best place to find me is on Instagram. Like we talked about at Splendid Consulting. You can find me there. And then I also have a free masterclass you can watch on demand that really helps visualize a lot of what we talked about today. So if you're like, okay, how do I create a marketing movement that matters, but I also need some visual examples, go to splendidcourses.com forward slash masterclass, and you can watch it instantly. Awesome. And I'll have the links in the YouTube channel as well as on our, uh, our show notes. So we'll definitely be sharing that as well. So you guys can easily, if you guys are tuning in on the podcast, you can catch that there. Um, definitely check it out. So we'll have all of your information and you also have some courses. So if they're interested in taking yes. courses on how to do this, but definitely check out the webinar because you guys are going to find a lot of really good stuff in there as far as following um, the visualization as you discussed what we went over today in more depth. So I think that will be really, really helpful. Once Exactly. And once you sign up for my webinar, you're in my world and you'll hear all about my courses. So that's the best way to find out. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Christina, for coming on the podcast today. Yes. Yeah, thank so you we'll for having me. You're welcome. <laughs> Super fun. Thank you for having me. I could talk about this all day long. Absolutely. All right. We'll talk about it more later. <laughs> I love it. Okay. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode with Christina Edwards of Splendid Consulting. Definitely jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 197 so you can get all of today's show notes, connect more with Christina, and all of the things. Plus, I have my new Hub Haven that is open. You guys are going to love the Hub Haven. I'm already getting so much positive feedback from it, but it is definitely a haven. So if you want some grant writing resources, nonprofit resources, freelance grant writing resources, you can get all of the things and plus upcoming trainings, et cetera, discounts, ah, galore in our beautifully laid out haven. So all you have to do is uh, give me an email address so I can send you the link and you are in. All right, guys, I will see you next week as we have some more greatness, goodness, amazingness on the podcast. And Thank you so much for being a podcast listener. I really appreciate you. I get so many great emails from um, all the podcast listeners out there. And it's so, so wonderful that you guys are listening all over the world. So if you love this podcast show, please do leave a review on your podcast listeners. So that's iTunes, Spotify, etc. A review would be greatly appreciated. And of course, please subscribe. All right, guys. I will see you next week on the Grant Ready and Fun.